Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Nationals fans, back to the Dogcast. Yes, the British accent is back this week. I'm back from my long holiday in California watching the Nationals and getting a nice sunburn. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and I'm just as good a host as Bryce Harper is a leadoff here. Joining me this week from That Ball's Out of Here, the Philadelphia Phillies fan-sided site, is site expert John Town. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing really good. How about you? Not too bad. I'm uh, quite happy with uh, our four-game sweep. It was our first for about... 10 months, I think. So, yeah, we're, we're getting back on you. course. <laughs> uh, so, on that note, we're going to talk about the Philly series. So, that's coming up this weekend. We've got a three-game set. It's the first time we're seeing them this, this season, even though it's May. Um, yeah, so last the year where just... they played, they played for the last year like four times in April, and we were always tired of it. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, but yeah, the, the Phillies have just wrapped up a series against the uh, the Miami Marlins. They lost 8-4 on Monday as they the Marlins beat up on Arietta for six runs over three and two-thirds. They lost 2-1 on Tuesday in the 10th inning as the Marlins walked it off. But they salvaged the last game 6-0 behind the dominant Aaron Nola, who tossed seven and a third scoreless. So what did you see in the Marlins series? Obviously, coming out of that with a series loss against a triple-A team doesn't look good on the face of it. What I saw coming out of that, the offense was very, as it has been basically the last three series, not even just this one, the offense has been very wishy-washy. The Phillies left nine runners on base in that second game, and they lost 2-1 in extra innings. Like, they've been inspecting a lot from their offensive players that they just haven't gotten. Carlos Santana has not done much he got slid down from hitting second in the order to hitting fifth, and he still hasn't really done anything. Reese Hoskins has gone on a cold streak, which is not ideal considering he was carrying the offense for the entire first month of the season. But on one of the more positive ends, Odubel Herrera has been knocking baseballs like no one's business. He has a 32-game on base streak after the Marlins series. And then Aaron Nola last night, as you said, he was just ridiculous. He got in early trouble, and, and then from the second inning on, he just – it was impossible for anyone to hit him. And you asked me to prepare, like, a star of the series. That's who I would say it was, just for how dominant he was in yesterday's game and how dominant he really has been this entire season. Yeah, it helps when Gabe Kapler's not taking him out after five and a third. Finally. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds a lot like the Nationals' season so far, albeit with a better record, having runners left on base, hot and cold offense, and then obviously the Phillies have had Reese Hoskins carrying the offense, and then through the first two, three weeks of the season, Bryce Harper was carrying the Nationals' offense. So there's a lot of similarities here coming into this series. Yes. So we're going to pick up some players to watch. I think we've mentioned quite a few names already from the Phillies. I uh, yeah. I did have Aaron Nola. Well, uh, 
Actually, I didn't think that through. I had Aaron Nola, but we're not we're not actually going to see him this series. But yeah, uh, he's kind of taken over the ace role uh, that many people thought Arietta would kind of step into this season. So, what's changed with this season? I think when I've seen Nola before, his command, like his raw stuff's been there, but the command's been slightly off. So, what have you seen him develop? Uh, this this year, especially in his most two recent games, he's been using his changeup a lot more. And he's using it a lot more for strikes, and it's really throwing hitters off balance because they're used to seeing mainly his fastball or his breaking ball, both of which are great pitches. But having that third one in the mix has really done him wonders. And he had one stretch last year between, like, mid-June and mid-August where people were thinking he had, like, an outside chance of getting Cy Young votes, like, down ballot, like, fifth or, fifth or sixth place. So it's just a matter of him like consistently pitching like that this year. And so far he has done just that. And Arias has been good. He had that one bad start on Monday. But even before that, he had like a sub-2 ERA. He's getting a lot of ground balls out. His pitches are looking really good. So coming into the year, I just said like they honestly could have had two different aces. And I'm still on that in that camp of like they definitely could have two different aces coming into the year, and with the you obviously two aces is better than one. So I think that's something yep. that's definitely changed this season. The Nationals will definitely testify to that. But yeah, I've been uh, I've been very impressed with Nola, um, and yeah, Arietta was another one of my players to watch. Obviously, Nationals fans were hoping that they would have got him to rip, make our rotation utterly ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he had three straight quality starts before he was roughed up from Miami. So, have you seen any of the red flags that were coming into the season? So obviously there was a bit of decreased velocity, but yeah, he had those three straight quality starts. Yeah, everyone, yeah, decreased decreased velocity was obviously the biggest thing everyone was worried about, and he is basically sitting at where he's been sitting at. He was sitting at last year with his fastball, but despite that, he has he still his pitches have been getting such better movement that I was watching the broadcast during Monday's game and uh, John Crock, the Phillies commentator, color commentator said that his movement has been getting better as his velocity is going down, which has really helped him out. And he's allowing a lot less hard contact this year, which obviously helps him out a lot more and keeps the ball in the park and keeps his ERA down. Yeah, I think he, he made a lot of sense for the Phillies when they were signing compared to the Nationals, given the age of the rest of the Phillies pitching staff. They must all be under 25, I uh, they're uh, all, guess. They're all got, in that area. Yeah, where they've got Pavetta, Velasquez, Nola, all... They ha- they all have a lot of potential, and they all seem to whiff a lot of batters, but you need that experience head, whereas the Nationals don't exactly have a shortage of that. Yeah, getting Arietta this year was huge. Because the back, like the rotation, had like one spot that was really iffy, and having Arietta in there is obviously ten times better than any quad A, halfway there, halfway not there pitcher. And his veteran experience, like talking to Aaron Nolan, talking to Nick Savetta, and talking to Vince Velasquez, has been invaluable. And there's been plenty of columns and articles written about all the things that he's tried to imbue onto other people in the locker room and in the clubhouse. Yeah, it, it could, having that experience head can be invaluable. Um, looking at the other side of the battery, you've got 
Jorge Alfaro, who was quite a highly rated prospect with uh, Texas and obviously um, traded to the Phillies. And he's been hitting well of late. He's hitting 381 with two home runs in the past week. So how much have you seen Alfaro coming along and taking hold of that catcher role? He came into the year, basically, he was going to be one of the major league catchers because his options had ran out, where he couldn't, if he was, if the team wanted to send him back to AAA, they would have had to put him through waivers. So this year, it was, it's been a, it's been a hard, like a long time because he, one of his biggest struggles as a prospect was worried about, people worried about strikeouts. And he's striking out over 40% of the time this year, which is obviously not a good, obviously not a good thing, but. As you said, he's been coming along in recent weeks. There's been a lot of praise about his defense, about what he's done at the plate. Andrew Knapp is the backup. He has just not been doing well at all this year, both at the plate and behind it. So Alfaro's got a really good grasp on the on the starting catching job. And as the season continues, just he should as he gets more adjusted to the major leagues, people expect him to do a lot better. Yeah, I think he's um, like I said, he was really highly rated and. It's one of the things that you want to see out of a young catch. You don't care as much about the bat. You stick them at eight. Let them get used to the pitching staff and get them there defensively, which obviously, if he's doing that, you can put up with the streakiness of the offense. Yeah. And he has a cannon of an arm, too. And I, I completely forgot to mention that. You could, what, Like last night in the, in the Phillies-Marlins game, there was a strikeout double play where batter struck out and Jorge Alfaro threw out Lewis Brinson, one of the Marlins' exciting young players. He threw him out by a mile on that strikeout on a breaking ball. And it like, <laughs> like he put he put it so perfectly on the tag that if he did it, if they didn't get him out, something went horribly wrong. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty impressive, especially with a breaking ball and Brinson who he's a tough yeah. player who's still like thirty bases. Uh, so are there any players on the Nationals that you're looking out for? Are you going to be booing Bryce Harper less this year because it's his contract year? Bryce Harper, obviously, is someone you always want to watch because he's teed off on some of the uh, on the, of the Philly starters that they are going to send out this series. He's had, he's had some success against them. And obviously, at any time, he can take over a game if he just heats up. He is a huge target for me. There's plenty to write about, oh, is this going to be the offseason where the Phillies sign Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? I've been firmly in the Bryce Harper camp just because I just see him coming to Philadelphia more than I see someone like Machado coming to Philadelphia. Because Machado, I think, is going to get a lot of money to go to the Yankees. But Bryce Harper is obviously a big eye, and I want him to come to Philadelphia. I want him to go after him. So obviously watching him in the series and seeing if he lights up the Phillies, not a good thing, obviously, but it just show it'll be like a first hand experience for everyone to look and see if this is what he can do on this team. Yeah, it's gonna be um it's gonna be an interesting off season, even if he doesn't want to talk about it during the season and yeah, I could the Phillies are probably the one team in the NO East where I could see him going, but it's a long way away. Um in terms of Nationals players to watch for me, we've had, we're still waiting on some of our starters to come back. So obviously, Eaton and Murphy, there's no real timetable on them. Uh, but Anthony Rendon is due to come back either Friday or Saturday, depending on his rehab. He might play another one at Potomac. So it'll be interesting oh, okay. to see him. <laughs> is that the sound of dread? 
<laughs> yeah, it's like a go- oh great, another borderline MVP player. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's due to come back. I, my suspicion will be Saturday they'll give him another rehab game in Potomac on Friday before activating him. But uh, filling in for him is Will Medifo, who this season he was absolutely ridiculous with seven for 11, four walks. He got on base pretty much the whole time. So I think he's certainly a player to watch for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Phillies are hoping to get Scott Kingery back on Friday. He got hit by a pitch in the in Tuesday night's game, missed Wednesday's game, had the off day today, and they're hoping he comes back. He has, like, an elbow contusion, elbow bruise. They're not too worried about, but they're just hoping that he comes back because with J.C. Crawford getting hurt, he's going to be their everyday shortstop until he comes back. Yeah, that, that brings up an interesting point. What did you make of how they handled giving Kingry the massive extension to kind of buy out his... Uh, arbitration years at the start of the season. In term, in just straight terms of money and the service time, it makes a lot of sense because people knew he was going to come up this year, and it saves them so much money on the back end of it when the arbitration years come. Because if he hits, if he plays, becomes the player that everyone expects him to be, he is going to be. He is going to be a great player, and that he'll make a lot more in arbitration. He would make a lot more in arbitration than his contract gives him. There's some people that think, and I was somewhat there too, that he should have started this year in AAA in general. There were a lot of people that want him to come up right at the beginning of the year, saw what he could do in spring training. But he really, his numbers were good in AAA last year, but he's definitely had some plate discipline issues and. Those are starting to show now, now that like pitchers can get an idea of what Kingery is good at and what he's not good at. So I I wouldn't I was wouldn't have been surprised if he started the year in Triple A, but I think overall I don't think it's gonna be that it's gonna not be that big of a deal. I thought it was it was exciting just because to know that he's coming soon. So that to have him here now is definitely just another glimpse into the future that we're hoping to get. Yeah, I think when you look at it, it does make a ton of sense. Otherwise, you're just keeping him in AAA for like two more weeks for the sake of it. Obviously, no one would actually come out and say, oh, yeah, that's what we would have done. But um, it does seem a bit pointless. And it was the first time I can remember it happening. I'm not sure if it's happened way before. But it happened one time. You know, it happened one time. It was actually with another. It was, an, it was a Phillies player that got traded to the Astros, John Singleton. They gave him a contract uh-huh. extension before, but he, but obviously, but his was even less. His was like ten million or something, but he has really mm-hmm. not done anything with them. Yeah, I was going to say that's part that of the, that's part of the risk of doing it, I guess, because yeah. everyone thought Single was going to be a legit first base prospect. Um, so now we're going to look at each of the matchups coming up individually. So okay. first up on Friday night, we've got. Uh, former Nats prospect, dealt to Philadelphia in the Jonathan Papelbon trade. You're not allowed to be too smug about that. Uh, facing oh, Gio well. Gonzalez. <laughs> facing Gio Gonzalez on Friday at 7.05 Eastern. So Gio Gonzalez, 3-2 with a 2.67 ERA so far this season. And Nick Pavetta, 1-1 one one with a 3.27 ERA. Uh, so how has Nick 
Pavetta been getting on for you guys since uh, I think his major league debut was a couple of seasons ago now? It was last. No, Nick Pavetta came up to the majors last year. And he had such a high strikeout rate, but also had one of the highest ERAs in all of baseball, for, especially among qualified pitchers. So we could all see the potential of he, ha- he has this ability, has this raw stuff to strike out guys, but he just needs to hone in his command, lower his walk rate. And he's done exactly that. He went from having about a 10% walk rate last year to around 5% this year. And that, and that has obviously paid dividends for him. So he has a 327 ERA, like you said. And that was after his last start where he allowed four runs in five innings. But that was his worst start of the year. He, in his first couple starts, he was only allowing one, two, three runs. And to get that, to see that potential last year and then for him to do that this year, to get this much better, it's a really positive sign for his development and how he's going to move forward. Yeah, I think those those K's are legit. So far in his career, he's got 174 in 166 innings. And any time you can strike out a batter an inning, you're doing pretty well. For sure. Um, and then with Gio this year, the he actually has quite a bit of success against the Phillies. He's 10-7 and seven with a 2.69 ERA in 23 career starts. But then this season, we're, we really are starting to see some of the regression in his stuff. It hasn't necessarily come to the fore yet, obviously, mid-2s ERA. But he's got a 1.43 whip, which is cause of concern. Cool. And yeah, it's... <laughs> When uh, when the whip's over half the ERA, it's uh, not a good sign. So, how do you see this one going? The first game, it I think it's really going to depend on, just depend on the starting pitching matchup. If Nick Pavetta comes out and he's firing and he's keep and like he's keeping the Nationals that day, that then then that'll then it looks at Gio Gonzalez. Is he is he going to continue his dominance of the Phillies like he always does, or is he going to be as you said, he's going to take, start taking a little step, take a step back. I think it's just going to wind up being whichever starting pitcher really breaks first. That's going to be the team that winds up winning, like a like a five three four two kind of game, where just one team gets like an, an, a couple runs in an inning, and that pretty much decides the game. Yeah, I think this is this is the one where I predict the Phillies to win. I think I've got you guys winning five four, so getting some runs off Geo and then. Uh, Pavetta kind of having a so-so start kind of somewhere in between is hot and cold so far so yeah yeah I think I think especially with the K's some some of the Nationals have been quite prone to K's albeit uh, that hasn't shown lately I think it's a nice matchup for you guys I sure hope so because Gio Gonzalez every (laughs) time I see him on the starting pitching it's like oh great Uh, so second up, we got Vince Velasquez against Tanner Roark at, on Saturday at 4:05 p.m. Tanner Roark two and two with a 3.55 ERA, and then Vince Velasquez with a one and four record and 5.7 ERA. He feels like last season's Nick Pavetta. He's still got the gaudy strikeout numbers, but the ERA is ballooning. Yeah, he had he had like three really good starts in a row. After like his second start to his fourth start of the year, he had three really good ones. But his first one and his last two have been real duds. But if you want to, if you look into it just a little bit, like Pavetta, his Velasquez's walk rate is down this year. 
and his fielding independent pitching is just under four, which it shows he has he's had a little bit of batted ball luck, bad luck with his batted balls. But obviously, he high ERA is always going to be a struggle with him. But if he keeps that walk rate down and he makes works his spots, he should be getting a little better. And maybe he can do that against the Nationals, but maybe that. But we'll just have to see. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a tricky one. The Net, I remember the Nets lit him up last year. He went zero and two with a six seven five ERA in three yeah. starts last. Year. So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one where there's a lot of raw stuff there. I remember he was highly rated with the Astros as well. It's just yeah. harness Nick. Can he follow Nick Pavetta's lead? Yeah, it'd be so nice for him to actually take that step forward and look like a starter. The worst thing, I always say the worst thing that ever could have happened to him in his career was that 16 strikeout start, the second one he made with the Phillies, because now he's always going to have to live up to that expectation. Hmm. And so he's always going to try to rack up the strikeouts, and fans are always going to look at that and see he's he can do this, so why can't he just pitch like a normal pitcher? Like, why can't he just do this? And if he like if he still can't figure it out this year, if he can't really stick in the rotation, there's enough like there's some move thing people I think he's gonna move to the bullpen where his stuff would look really good there, but the team's gonna try their best to get him in the rotation to keep him in the rotation for as long as possible. Yeah, I think it's it's getting to the stage where you're gonna to need to start performing because you guys should be competing potentially as soon as this year, but over the next few years, and if he's not up to it, you can't let him work through the kinks now. Yeah, they're going to get to the point where they're going to have a, like a bunch, there's a ton of starting pitching prospects right in high A, double A that will be here within the next year or two. So mm. it's kind of like you have to prove it now or you're going to be out of the spot. Mm. Yeah, so facing Velasquez is Tanner Roark. He's Six and six with a 3.96 ERA in 17 appearances against the Phillies, and he's felt quite hot and cold this year. He's had four quality starts, but then he's had two duds against the Mets and Giants. So it'll be interesting to see which Tanner Roark we get. We saw a dominant version of him against the Pirates. Um, so what do you make of Tanner Roark from afar? Uh, just like just looking at his numbers, he's obviously had a good season. He's pitched basically exactly what you ex- what you kind of expect for him as the Washington's number five guy, which if he's your number five or your number four, you really can't complain. Mm. He's, so he's always like he's always just been like a like sometimes I think the Phillies have a chance against him and then sometimes I don't as you said he's just so like either really good or really bad. So it'll just be a, it'll just be a matter of all right is he going to is he going to pitch well tonight, or is he not? Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely been a tenor role we've seen of of late compared to early on in his career when he was really looking like a strong number three. Um, yeah. So in this one, I've got the Nationals again. It's going to be a close close few games, especially the last one, which we're going to talk about soon. But I've got That'll the Nationals fun. winning. <laughs> got the Nationals winning six to four. So I think we do get the Velasquez again. We've lit him up so far. How do you see this one going? I I can agree with that. I just like especially in this last 
his good starts came against bad teams, and Washington is a better team than their record indicates. I just don't. It's really perplexing to me how they're this, how they're this down in the division. But as you said, Washington's always teed off against Velasquez. Bryce Harper's five for six against him. I really can't. I really see this one going Washington's way, barring some dominating performance from Velasquez. Yeah, you can't you can't rule that out though. That's the thing. It's not. Yeah. It's not like it's Max Scherzer going against some quad A pitcher. You can't completely rule it out. Speaking of yeah, Max exactly. Scherzer, yeah, exactly. See, what, see what I did there. Uh, we've got Max Scherzer facing Jake Arrieta on Sunday at one thirty-five p.m. Uh, Max Scherzer, Cy Young form so far this year, six and one, one seven nine ERA, and we talked about Jake Arrieta earlier, three and one with a three four nine ERA. So, are you looking forward to this pitching matchup? Obviously, it's the one that everyone's going to want to see this weekend. Yeah, that's really that is really going to be a good one. Got, we got two former Cy Young winners going head to head. I'm honestly a wee bit surprised that. ESPN didn't want to pick this one up. They couldn't market the Arietta in his new uniform. But I'm but I think it will be really good. And like I said, for the first team of the series, there's gonna be this one even more. It's gonna be which starting pitcher gives up even one or two runs first, because that might be all it is. If Arietta's mowing down nationals and Scherzer's mowing down Phillies, it's all just gonna be all right, who maybe gets one or two a home run or two there. And then who picks apart the bullpen at the end? Like that's gonna be a game where the bullpen needs to be on point and the and the uh, rotation needs to be on point. Yeah, I think especially with Arietta kind of coming maybe not to his Cy Young form, but uh, a good number two form. It's definitely going to be uh, who's going to make the mistake. Obviously, Max Scherzer barely makes any mistakes. Uh, he's a perfect five and zero with a two oh six ERA in six starts at Citizens Bank Park. Um, but one player to maybe watch is Odubel Herrera. He has quite good numbers against Max, surprisingly. He's one of very few hitters I've seen who's hitting over 300 against him with more than a handful of, handful of at-bats. He's 10 for 33. So is that a matchup you're watching? You mentioned Odubel Herrera's off to a, or currently hot at the moment. Yeah, I noticed that when I was just doing some background research for this, Odubel Herrera has good numbers against every single starter that's against this weekend. Maybe it's just from seeing that, seeing them so much. This is his fourth season with the team, just getting a good look at them. But Odubel from the left side, he's going. He's obviously someone you're going to keep. He, if he's not in the lineup on Sunday, I think everyone will rip Gabe Kapler's head off. Hmm. But he will definitely be a key part of the lineup. If the Phillies are going to win, it's probably going to be because Odubel Herrera had a good game. Mm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, and going back to Arietta, he's actually not had a lot of luck against the Nationals, albeit I think it's slightly inflated from his time with Baltimore, but he's 1-2 and two with a 5-4-8 ERA in nine career starts. So, is, that, is that including the postseason? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's regular season only. Uh, okay. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I think it's quite inflated because obviously he had a few years at Baltimore, and obviously we played them every year in interleague. But yeah, yeah. Is this one where you really do think Arietta can match as a stride for stride? I think he definitely can. He has that in him. 
he was a little wonky in his last start, but he's just been so good this year that if it, I really do think he has a chance to come in and take over this game if he wants if he wants to and if he if his stuff's right. So if everything's going right, he definitely can get against like can make a good start against the Nationals this weekend. Hmm. Yeah, I've got the Nationals winning this three to one. So obviously they get a couple, but. We do see Arietta doing well. Have you got a score prediction at all? Uh, I'd say somewhere 3-1 three, three sounds good. 3-2, somewhere in there. Maybe the Phillies get a mm. run off the bullpen. Like that, this might be, if any game is going to go to extra innings in this series, it's probably going to be the one on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, we, um, well, you're not, you're not the fan of extra innings after Tuesday's game. Uh, yeah, that was seeing that was a little heartbreaking because you just know they can win, but they just can't do it. Leave the bases loaded in the top of the tenth. You can't put one in. <laughs> uh, so I think that wraps up our Philly series preview. I'd like to say thanks to John for joining me today. And where can our listeners listeners find you in your work? Uh, you can find everything I write at thatballsoutofhere dot com. If you just Google that ball's out of here or Philly's fan sided, you should find it. We're on Twitter at FS underscore TBOH. And then my personal Twitter is at Johntown99 underscore. So if you want to find, if for some reason a national fan wants to go and read about the Phillies all day, they're free to, and they can go to one of those places to find it. They might need someone to uh, talk talk smack about when Harper goes to the Phillies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay. I can bask in the time ba- so I can bask in the moment's glory. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay, thanks, John. Uh, thank you. Have a good one. You too. So now we're going to kind of review the Pirate series. So... Obviously, it was a big four-game sweep for the Nationals. They won 3-2 on Monday. And then we got two nice big blowouts, 12-4 and 9-3 Tuesday and Wednesday, and wrapped it up with the big win today, 3-1. The law firm came in, do little five-out save as well, thanks. And uh, no small part thanks to Turner and Zimmerman hitting the home runs. So, player of the series. Uh, obviously, some of you guys saw that we ran a poll on Twitter earlier. And... Surprisingly, Matt Adams won with 46% of the vote. Wilma Defoe had 30, Bryce Harper had 22, and then poor Tanner up. I think he only got one vote, so 2%. And obviously, Matt Adams went dinger crazy, hit three home runs uh, in the middle two games on Tuesday and Wednesday, which is doubling his season total. So he had three coming into this series. And it was really good to see him just tee off, hit a couple the opposite way, albeit one, one of them snuck out but it's good to see and hopefully he can earn some more playing time we've got three right-handers coming up in the series against philadelphia and pavetta velasquez and arietta so i'd expect to see him probably all three games barring eaton miraculously recovering which we don't think is going to happen uh but my pick for player of the series was wilma defoe i talked about it earlier with john he went seven for 11, had five runs, one home run, four walks. And it'll be interesting if Rendon does return on Saturday, how are you going to work Defoe into the lineup? Are you going to bench Kendrick for a game? Uh, put Kendrick in left potentially and 
get Defoe at second. So you've got to keep his bat in the lineup if he's getting on base that much. I said that's 11 for 15 he got on base. You can't leave that out. And he was uh, he was a big part of Harper's big weekend. Obviously, he went into the leadoff spot. Uh, hashtag greatest leadoff hitter ever. Um, and we saw the, the home runs. And that came from having runners in front of him on base, namely Wilma Defoe. Because when those runners are on base, teams won't put him on compared to when there's a base open. So maybe you switch Wilma Defoe into second in front of Harper and have Turner lead off, potentially. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, I don't know if they'll change the lineup that quickly. It's working pretty well. One, five in a row now. So that'll be something to watch if we, say, drop the first game to Nick Pavetta and the Phillies. Will he bump Harper back down to three and rejig the lineup? Uh and probably the final point of the series that I want to touch on is Davey Martinez. I think he managed this series perfectly. We saw it today. He took Hellickson out early. It was a bit of a questionable call with only 60-odd pitches, but it turned out to be the right decision. Sammy Solis got a one pitch out. Kintzler scored us in. in. Madsen had a bit of a bumpy ride, but then he, was, he wasn't afraid to bring Doolittle in for the five-out save, and that was huge. That potentially saved the game if Madsen had carried on going and given up another run or two potentially, then it becomes a closer game. So I think Davey Martinez deserves a lot of praise after this win. Uh, our final section is listener questions. So we actually had one from the Nats Post. He asked, how long will Bryce be leading off for? And I do think it's going to, at least for the first game, we're going to see that potentially longer. It's, it's working a treat. The success of it does largely depend on Wilmer Defoe getting on in the nine spot, if that's where they're going to keep batting him. Otherwise, you're back to the same old problem where, say, they get the pitcher out at nine, they've got one or two outs in the inning, they'll just put Harper on first base. So it will, we will keep seeing it, uh, but I don't think it's a permanent move by any by any means, especially when Eaton, Murphy, Rendon come back you've got enough quality hitters to stack the top of the lineup with that you don't need to bat Harper a leadoff. So that wraps us up for this week. Uh, you should go check out some of our content on the site this week. We had Brian Foley looking at some of the upcoming milestones that some of the Nats are on the verge of. So we look at Bryce Harper's walks, Trey Turner's steals, and then some of the longer career milestones for the likes of Howie Kendrick and Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, and also, I had a look at today's hero, Trey Turner, and his success of late and how he is really growing into a superstar-type player now, hitting second behind Harper, and he's hitting 360-odd of late. So he's really becoming the player we want, and who knows? He may even lead off over Adam Eaton in the coming days, uh, or the coming time when Adam Eaton's back. You might see that because of his walk skills and ability to get on base has seriously improved this year. So remember to give us a follow on Twitter at District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook. I'm starting to post the articles there now. So make sure you like us there, District on Deck. Give us a follow on Blog Talk Radio. We've got a couple and we're broadcasting here after every single series. So make sure you're tuning in. Uh, subscribe on iTunes and make sure you get the episodes automatically downloaded for you the next morning give you something to listen to on the commute. 
Uh, I think it's personally interesting and I enjoyed being a listener the last week and a half downloading it from iTunes. So that's definitely worth doing. Uh, we'll be back Sunday evening as we wrap up the Philly series and then the Nationals are heading back out west yet again. Unfortunately, I won't be there. I'm too sunburned. I can't afford to go outside for another two months. Uh, so they go out and face the, the Padres at the start of next week. So remember to tune in next time and we'll see you then. <laughs>